Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years of experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance, also a Dave Ramsey local provider, and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Great day to be here, guys. Yeah, it good is Saturday morning. Awesome day to be here, and we are excited to have you listening today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner that you can stream us. Uh, you can also go to the dial at 1230 a.m., and we have a um, podcast link as well. We, we podcast the, the show. We break it into four different segments uh, for your ease of listening. So if you miss a show, you can go out to the podcast site. Yeah, that's a great way to listen to us, and it's right there on our website, moneymd.net, where you can check us out there. Email us your questions if you have any. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have an awesome show lined up for today. Um, You know, as always, and we have uh, some interesting stuff to talk about here. I mean, the question, one of the questions we're going to answer is, what constitutes a real emergency? You know, people have emergency funds, and we sit down with them all the time, and it's cleaned out for what they think is an emergency. Vacation? Like golf clubs. Exactly. Yeah. Well, even things that are more questionable than that, John. No. Uh, <laughs> Not just golf clubs. Putters. Yeah, that's putters, right. Sorry. So putters. But no, I mean, seriously. uh you know, people use their emergency fund for all kinds of things that mm-hmm. are not emergencies. So stick around if you have questions about this. We're going to define exactly what is a financial emergency. There are five things that fall into the category of your financial emergency. Yeah, that's a good, very good topic. And we're going to follow that up with um, an article uh, from, from Dave Ramsey talking about uh, 401ks and Ross. And, um, you know, guys, it's interesting. You know, 401ks is a bedrock of a lot of people's retirement, which is great. It's a great uh, vehicle. But Roth, IRAs have some really big advantages, and we're going to kind of explore, um, you know, some of the reasons why to have Roth. You know, we're going to look at what a Roth is and some of the advantages as well. So we'll put it into Dave's perspective, which is always interesting. That's right. And then we're going to finish up with how to pay for that next vacation in 90 days. All right. You don't have to put it on a credit card. We're going to talk about actually paying for it with cash. Cash money. You know? So uh, <clears throat> that, that should be interesting. We'll give you a couple tips on that. And, uh you know, we're not, not too far from summer, so that's yeah, right. that'll be a good one. That's great. We're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Tax Foundation. And, guys, I don't know if you all have spent any time reading the tax code, but... Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Every night. Yeah, it's uh, it's only 10 million <laughs> words. Oh, yeah. Which, to put in perspective, it's, it's, it's an individual reading 300 words a minute, which is an average uh, reading speed for an adult. It would take more than 23 days 
of nonstop reading to to read the tax code. A little longer than War and Peace. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Can you? I mean, can you fat? I mean, I just I don't I don't know. I mean, I understand um, some complexity to it, but uh, ten million words. You know, I know there's some people that want to get it on like a postcard. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that there's room for improvement that yeah, maybe yeah. we could simplify it. Yeah. Maybe about nine million words taken maybe. out. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And the sad thing is, if you read it, you wouldn't understand it. Oh, I know. No, you're yeah. right. Matter of fact, I I I I'm gonna show my geekness here. I actually answered some blog questions last night on TurboTax's website about tax questions. You know, they they invite you when you use TurboTax now to right. answer any questions that people have. So I, I went out on the blog and answered two or three of them, and you wouldn't believe some of the idiotic questions. I mean, people just really don't have any grasp of the tax code. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the questions was a guy that wanted a young guy that wanted to know how to to take his loss on a stock sale in 2013 on his 2015 taxes. Mm. I said, well, unfortunately, you have to amend your 2013 taxes yes. to do that. you got to undo it. Yeah, he, he wasn't too happy he with that. He didn't like answer. that. Didn't like that answer. Well, but, you know, that, yeah. that dang tax code. Dang tax code. It is <laughs> complicated and inflexible. So I know our CPA friends out there listening to us would agree with that. Yeah, all right. Well, great fact of the week. And that leads up to our first uh, topic here, and that is what's a real financial emergency? Um, you know, this is an interesting interesting topic, and it comes out of an article out of LearnVest.com here recently. And, you know, it um, – I don't know. I mean, this, this article is good, but it shows kind of the perspective this writer came from, mm-hmm. you know, which was a young person that wrote this. So there, there's, some, there's some twists here that we'll have to add to – um, from from what she wrote, but you know, but the question is, so what really does constitute a financial emergency? You know, I mean, we sit down with clients all the time that basically cleaned out their emergency fund for what they considered an emergency, and now they have credit card debt because the emergency fund's all gone, and after multiple emergencies, you know, where else do they turn? So, what really constitutes an emergency worth cleaning out your reserves? I mean, how about your adult son's car breaks down and he needs about a thousand dollars or more to to get it up to snuff you know is that your emergency uh, maybe your dishwasher breaks and and you really believe this old one's not worth fixing so it's time to go get a new one is that an emergency you know or how about the once in a lifetime trip overseas your friends are putting together that came up out of the blue yeah you know i mean we see these all the time how about sports authority golf sale running a sale yeah could is be an, is that an emergency you know? That could be if your clubs are old enough. <laughs> I mean, definitely not. I mean, you know, though these situations may not be life or death emergencies, they're still emergencies, right? That's what people feel like. Um, well, believe it or not, these are not emergencies. Even your own son, you know, needing to get their car fixed is not your emergency, right? Um, it's not where your emergency fund is concerned. So. Sure, your son's car and your dishwasher, they're going to need some attention, but they're really not reason enough to clean out your emergency fund. So we're going to talk about what it really means to to have an emergency. Yeah, so really an emergency fund is um, ideally have at least six months of net income, excuse me, stored up in a savings account. I mean, you know, we we suggest at least six months saved and available. Make sure it's um, liquid and you can access it at any time. But if your job is unstable or maybe you have uh, irregular income, it's probably best to have more than that socked away, maybe nine months maybe even 12 months to give you a good cushion in case something does happen 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, you know, when are you allowed to dip into that emergency fund, John? I mean, an emergency fund really should only be dipped into for five situations. Five okay? things? Just five? five? There are five things here. I mean, but they're, they're broad. These are things. big. No, these I, are big, though. Five these, categories. These five, five categories of key, key things here. Okay, one of them is, obviously, you've lost your job. Mm-hmm. That's an emergency. That's a big I mean, one. You've got to continue paying the rent, the bills, the living expenses. That's that's emergency number one. Second one is you have a medical or dental emergency. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens. Okay. Um, third one is your car breaks down, and it's your primary form of transportation. So you gotta you got to get your car back running to uh, get to work. Fourth one here is you have emergency home expenses. You know, your A.C. breaks. It's 100 degrees outside. Your roof's leaking. Your basement's flooded. Your toilet's overflowing. You know, you name it. I mean, everybody has home emergencies in there. That's right. (laughs) The fifth one here is you have bereavement-related expenses like travel costs for a funeral. You know, you got to go to your, you know, your your family's funeral, right? Um, You know, notice the word, though, in all five of these is the word you in these situations. You know, these don't apply to your brother, your sister, even your adult children, Mm -hmm. right? These are your emergencies. Um, so don't be kind of coaxed into the idea that that you know somebody else in your family constitutes your emergency. Yeah, that's hard to do. It's hard to it turn very, junior very, away. Very, very difficult. I mean, everybody wants to help their their family, their children, their adult children, um, but you know you're not going to let them starve. There's there's lots of stuff in the cabinet you can give them for food, <laughs> but you know as far as as their emergency, these things happen to them. Um, it's really not your emergency. You got to be careful about that. If you don't have an emergency fund saved, though, I and mean, one of these five types of emergencies arise, you're likely to be tempted to use credit cards to handle it. You know, and that's going to lead you into credit card debt. In fact, medical expenses are the leading contributor to credit card debt, and the low to moderate medium income households have an average of about seventeen hundred dollars in credit card debt due to out of pocket medical expenses. So you have to be careful about that. Um, that's why you got to have an emergency fund. Steve, you're, you're absolutely right there. And what's worse is, you know, when you use your credit card for paying uh, for such emergencies uh, expenses and you don't pay that bill off immediately, it actually ends up costing you more. You know, and as you rack up interest on that uh, balance, it, it just almost makes it impossible to, to dig out of debt for some people. So, you know, having an emergency fund saved not only saves you more money in the long run, you know, due to the fact, obviously, that you're not paying interest, uh, it will also give you, you know, peace of mind, uh, knowing that you'll be able to handle uh, these things that life throws at you. Because, I mean, let's face it, guys, we've all been there. Uh, Dave, he says life happens, mm-hmm. and we've all experienced it. So, so we know that that's true. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and so the question we're going to get into when we come back from the break here is what about all the other things in life, you know, that, that don't fall in these five categories? What about paying for, you know, things that uh, that come up like the one-time expenses, you know, uh, Christmas shopping, um, property taxes, all those kind of things. So when we come back from the break, we'll dig into exactly how you're supposed to handle those, how you're supposed to handle your budget, and and what this emergency fund is going to do for you to enable you to prepare for the future. But if you have questions, um, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who's a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about what constitutes a real financial emergency. Um, yeah, guys, I mean, what happens is, and we sit down with clients all the time that fall into this trap where, you know, things come up and you think they're an emergency, you clean out your emergency fund, but you know, true emergencies are only supposed to come up like, statistically, probably once a year. Mm-hmm. You know, you have something that really constitutes an emergency, you know, your your AC on your house breaks or your your car just absolutely dies and it requires some major expense um, or medical, you know, big medical bill. Yeah. Exactly. And these are all your things that happen. But if you start throwing in, you know, your your adult children and you start throwing in things that are one-time expenses that aren't true emergencies, what happens is it happens so frequently you can't keep the emergency fund afloat. And the emergency fund gets wiped out and you start dipping into credit cards to try to cover those things. Before you know it, you're into serious credit card debt. Um, So we're trying to help people define here what really constitutes an emergency and you know, and we went through five things here. I mean, you lost your job is one of them. You have medical or dental emergencies. Your car breaks down. It's your only form of transportation. You have, or you have an emergency home expense, as we just talked about, or, or maybe somebody in your family dies and you have to travel for a funeral. I mean, those are five categories of real emergencies, <clears throat> but they all involve you. So, no? emergency home expense is not like a new TV, LED, exactly. widescreen, exactly. Inch. It's not. I mean, and they have some good deals at Best Buy. Yeah, really, it's an emergency. <laughs> it's, it's, the, a new iPhone came out. I have to have it. No, I mean it, that's that's the key. You know, I mean it, those are one-time expenses. Those are savings, and that's what we're going to get into now. I mean. You know, what else counts, right? I mean, what about the near emergencies people talk about, like property taxes, um, income taxes that come up? Um, had somebody call me yesterday, and they needed $150,000 for income taxes. Oh, huh. oh my goodness. For, in- for income <laughs> taxes. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was it was, it was was an unusual situation, yeah. obviously, but it wasn't their regular income. They don't even make that much this year, but, you know, Ouch. last year, but it was it was something that, He's one of those uh, 10 million words in the in the tax code. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, that, that might constitute an emergency, but it's really not. I mean, you have to prepare for those things over time. Um, so property taxes, you know, along with taxes for self-employment, renter's insurance, homeowner's insurance, you know, not to mention unexpected taxes in April. They're, they're just irregular expenses. They're non, non-periodic expenses. They can seem like emergencies, especially if you haven't saved up for them. But, you know, you, you because you have to obviously pay your taxes, you have to pay your insurance, but you have to save for those. You've got to budget for those. That's the key. So dipping into your emergency fund for anything besides the five situations we just talked about is a really bad habit, and it means you won't have enough money when a real emergency pops up. 
Yeah, and so here's what you should do instead. I mean, this is so critical, and this th- what what we're talking about right now really does bust people's emergency funds and budget. So estimate how much you need to pay one of these one-off irregular expenses. Like think about insurance. You have a life insurance payment. Look at last year. Divide that number by 12, and that's the amount that you should, should have deducted every single month from your checking account. Put it into a separate savings account, separate than your emergency fund. So when that bill does come in, you, know, you have it sitting there. You can just write a check out of that separate account so it doesn't surprise you and it doesn't take away your emergency fund. So that's the way to do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's good. Yeah, and if you don't have an emergency fund, so what's the best way to build one up? Well, one of the strategies that they mentioned here is to split your monthly budget up um, using what they call like the 50%, uh, 30%, 20% rule. I'm going to modify this, and I'm going to say, you know, this is where this shows the inexperience of the person writing this. You know, I mean, it needs to be more like 50, 40, 10, and, and this is what those, those percentages represent, okay? 50% or, or less of your take-home pay would go to essentials like rent, groceries, transportation, and, and you know, th- to and from work and then, utilities, Right. Forty percent would go to other priorities like emergency funds, saving for retirement, paying off debts, credit cards, loans, that kind of stuff. Um, the 10 percent could go to to discretionary expenses like lifestyle choices, like like buying clothes, entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, eating out with your friends, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that needs to be a very small percentage. I mean, this person... Until you, know, you get out of debt. And, until you get out you know, of debt. And then make you can start. You yeah. can start spending more mm-hmm. on the fun stuff, you know, and vacations and stuff whenever you get out of debt. But when you're in this mode of trying to build an emergency fund, it's got to be all hands on deck. Yeah. You've got to be serious about this. What, is, what does Dave say about that? Be gazelle intense? Oh, yeah. Gazelle intense. Yeah. Get after it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, and so, so you only 10%, you know, goes to, I mean... This person that wrote the article listed like shopping, you know, going out with friends. I mean, that's a that's a way that's discretionary a thing. That's a luxury. That's right. You don't do those kind of things when you're trying to build an emergency fund. So that's no more than ten percent <laughs> in my book. So here's how you divvy up that forty percent that goes to the other priorities. Right? You have retirement. You can't neglect retirement. If your employer matches your four hundred one k plan, you have to contribute enough necessary to get your full match in your four hundred one k. You know, if there's no matching. I'd say put at least 6% of your pay in your 401k um, or start saving maybe $200 a month into a Roth IRA. If you have credit card debt, split up the remaining amount of that that 40% equally between paying off your card, your your debt, stocking up for emergency savings until you have at least six months saved in an emergency fund. If you don't have credit card debt, contribute the remaining amount of that to your emergency fund until you have that six months saved up. That's critical. You have to get your emergency fund back up. And then every six months, you know, schedule a 1% automatic increase in your 401k plan if they have it automatically. Or add an extra $50, you know, increase to your Roth IRA account until you get up to the maximum $5,500 a year that you can put into your Roth. So, you know, that's how you divvy it up. That's how you plan for the future. So what do you do once you already have the, the emergency fund saved up or you're nearing that point? If you have six months saved up in your emergency fund, you have a stable work environment, regular income, no debts, 
that's fantastic. Now you can concentrate on tackling the other priorities and goals. You know, consider upping your retirement savings to max out that Roth IRA. Um, in addition to your 401k contributions, um, you can create uh, and start funding savings accounts to pay for other goals like traveling, um, pay down your, your home, uh, future wedding, future house. You know, you can start saving for your long-term goals. If you have six months saved up, but you're in an unstable profession, um, your income's not stable, you're on commission somewhere, you know, consider having your emergency fund more like nine months or even a year's worth. Um, you have to look at the realistically and, and realize how stable your job situation is. And if you have uh, of credit card debts or loans, now you can start paying those down more quickly, you know, and contribute more to paying off your student loans. That's going to help improve your credit score as well. That'll also help you. So that's how you, you treat real emergencies and, you know, how you build up a real emergency fund. You just have to be careful what counts as an emergency, okay? It's got to be a real emergency. It's got to fall into those five categories. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. I met with a couple uh, recently, and uh, we're kind of talking about he's going through the retirement process out at the site and figuring out which pension he's going to take, and they have um, joint and survivor options. And um, so basically we kind of talked through it. Um, His wife uh, has a pension um, through her job. They have no debt. Uh, They have about a half a million dollars in retirement, so a very nice nest egg. And so his question was, is it okay to take a 25% joint survivor benefit? So that means um, if he were getting $2,000 per month and he passed away his wife would get 500 and so you basically had to sit there and say all right if you pass away um, before your wife you know will she be able to survive on the income that she has coming in well she had a pension um, she's going to get his social security which is much higher than hers and then the $500 so she was going to have probably $50,000 per year with no debt and still a half a million dollars in retirement accounts so the answer was it's okay to do that we usually opt uh, at least as, as we're kind of talking through this, having some protection for your spouse is a very good thing. Of course. Yeah, you definitely, you know, have to make sure your, your dependents and your spouse and children and all are taken care of um, if you have young children. So, you know, it depends on how much insurance you have. Mm-hmm. You, you might yep. need life insurance will enable you to, if you have whole life insurance that will be around <clears> later <throat> in life, then that enables you to take a, a lower uh, spousal benefit on your pension, survivor benefit on your pension. Um, so it just depends on your individual situation. How much is your pension? How much is their pension? How much do you have in savings? Everybody needs to sit down and look at that and just make sure that you know their survivors are well taken care of. Some cases they can choose no survivor benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right. if if the situation is good enough. So it's an individual type choice. But that's a great question of the week. All right, and that leads up to our break here. But if you have other questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours. Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. 
I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to continue our discussions here with a new topic, and that is, uh, you know, retirement. Your 401K mm-hmm. might be in trouble, right? Yeah, this is an article from uh, DaveRamsey.com, and um you know, it kind of talks about 401ks as the basis. Um, you know, and it is. It's a it's a solid foundation of most retirement plans. Um, the employer, for many places, they'll match. Um, you know what you put in there, maybe three percent. Some people have four, five, six percent. Um, so that means you get an instant hundred percent return on at least part of your money you put into your four hundred one k. And that's why you know Dave and the money doctors as well recommend that you start your retirement investing with your four hundred one k by investing enough to make sure you get that full employer match because that's a hundred percent return. It just doubles. You know, if you put 100 bucks in, they're going to put $100 in. So, But that's not all. I mean, your 401K also has some tax benefits as well. So your pre-tax 401K contributions, it lowers your taxable income, and it makes it easier to invest more. Um, the growth of your 401K is also tax-deferred, which means that your money will grow faster because you're not having to pay the tax bill as you go through time. Uh, and all that, all that's great, but it won't be enough for for a lot of people out there. I mean, once you're getting the full employer match on your 401k, your next step that you want to consider is investing in a Roth IRA. And this has several positive points uh, on its own, and we're going to dive into that a little bit. Yeah, we love Roth IRAs here at the Money Doctors. Um, Money MD, no doubt, because, I mean, tax-free withdrawals will help your Roth to live longer. Because you can take out less. You don't have to tax to take out, um, which is fantastic. You know, by contrast, your 401K's tax deferral works in your favor by, you know, while you're investing. But when you retire, you have to pay taxes on the money you take out. So you have to take out a lot more Mm -hmm. out of a 401K to equal the money that you're going to take out of the Roth. Um, But if you fund your Roth with after-tax money, which you do, it grows tax-free from that point. But that means you don't have to pay taxes on any of that growth on the money you withdraw out of your Roth IRA when you retire. So you'll be able to take out 20 to 30% less than you would out of an IRA or a 401k to have the same amount to spend. I read an interesting um, analogy in, in, in the, the article that I read kind of talked about Roth as um, tax insurance. So you're paying your tax bill today. And you're insuring against you know future tax bills because we don't know if the tax rates are going to go up. So you don't you don't think that they're going up? I mean, you don't think they're going down? Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. I haven't heard a candidate (laughs) talk about. Well, I mean, there have been some candidates. I mean, but legitimately being able to lower taxes, especially with nineteen trillion dollars in debt and headed higher, I don't think we're ever going to see lower taxes for anybody that's responsible and Mm -hmm. has saved money. Yeah, and so that's why the Roth is is such an important piece of, of retirement. And so here's an example of how taxes can limit the lifespan of your retirement account. So let's say your 401k and your Roth IRA, let's say they both have $200,000 balances. Let's say you withdraw 25000 from each for a $50,000 annual income in retirement. And we'll assume the income puts you in a 25% tax bracket. It makes it a little bit easier to calculate and also assume no growth after retirement. So you'll actually have to withdraw $31,250 from your 401k to cover 
cover your taxes and still give you the income that you need. And by year six, you'd only have $12,500 left in your 401k, but your Roth IRA, on the other hand, it would hold out to year eight. So you'd have a couple of years more inside the Roth because you're not having to pay the tax bill. All right, and, and now for all the number crunchers out there, uh, you're probably pulling your hair out with this simplified <laughs> calculation. But uh, don't don't miss the point that we're trying to to make here. We don't have to get super technical. Uh, taxes will have an effect on how long your nest egg lasts. So that's just that's a fact right here, and that makes the tax free Roth IRA that's a must in order to have really a balanced. Um, Retirement, mm-hmm. you know, and more tax efficient retirement. Yeah, you have a choice when you need to pull money out in retirement. You can figure out which tax bracket you're going to be That's in, right. or which bucket you're going to pull it from. So, yeah, Roth is really good. Another uh, benefit that that Dave talks about is a wider selection of funds. Um, you know, while your 401k plan offers a limited selection of mutual funds, you can choose any of thousands of existing mutual funds for your Roth IRA. So that's outside of your 401k plan. And that means that you can select the best of the best, um, you know, mutual funds to build uh, from what investing experts call a well diversified portfolio um, to help grow your your retirement nest egg. And that might not sound like a big deal, but investing studies have shown that aside from increasing the amount you invest for retirement, selecting a balanced mix of funds has the largest impact on how much your retirement account will grow. And it's up to 38% in one study. So, you know, your Roth IRA gives you freedom to choose. Um, You know, Dave has a recommendation of 25% into a couple of different categories. So just make sure you're diverse but it just opens up a whole new world of mutual funds, which is good, but that can also be challenging as well. Um, you know, it's overwhelming for a lot of folks to go to a to a swab or, or to a TD Ameritrade and there be a thousand mutual funds to choose from. That's a daunting task in itself, but it does give you the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And but what you need to do here is you need to strike a balance between the two accounts. And investing in two retirement accounts isn't that complicated. I mean, you you just have to come up with some quick math here. Your initial goal, baby step number four, as Dave would put it, is to invest 15% of your income for retirement, right? So that's $7,500 for the average $50,000 income. If your employer matches 4% of that, then you'll contribute $2,000 to your 401k, not including the match. The remaining 5500 would go into your Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. <clears throat> so some people, you know, come to us and say, well, you know, uh, John, we don't. My employer doesn't offer retirement plan, or they don't match contributions. So, you know, Dave would recommend, and we we would agree with this. It depends on the tax bracket. You have to look at the situation, but max out the Roth IRA first. I mean, if you still have money to invest, you can invest back into your company plan. Maybe even open up a taxable brokerage account. But you also have another option if you're married. Um, you can also open up a spousal Roth as well. And that your spouse, some spouses don't work, and, but they're still eligible to put fifty five hundred per year into a Roth if they're under 50 and 6500 if they're over 50. Yeah, that's a good point, John. Here, here's another question uh, kind of tied to that as well. It says, what if I max out my Roth IRA and still haven't met my 15% goal? Well, then go back to your 401k and invest the remainder to take advantage of that you know, 401k tax deferral. You know, it's just yeah, yeah, common so you, sense. So there. you get the match, go to the Roth, go to the Roth and then, then go come back, back in. 
Yeah. See what that difference is. Yeah. There you go. That makes it easy. Um, and so some folks are fortunate enough to have uh, Roth 401k options. So that's a Roth inside a 401k. Dave loves Roth 401ks because um, they work almost exactly like a Roth IRA. It's funded with after-tax dollars. It grows tax-free. You won't have to pay the taxes on the money uh, you put in until you withdraw in retirement. Actually, you know, you'll you'll you should not have to pay anything uh, on the tail end of that. But you know, the downside is is you don't have access to all the mutual funds. So some people may put money into part of their money into Roth four hundred one ks and also have a Roth IRA on the outside as well. So a couple different options here. Bottom line is, you know, your next challenge is to make sure you have a Roth IRA and a four hundred one k. Make sure they're tied together. The investments you choose for each account, they should complement each other. They should be tied uh, overall. Um, it's a it's a great idea to get a Roth. We have folks coming in and opening up Roth accounts all the time because it is harder to put it in a Roth today because you don't get a tax break, but it's something that you're saving up for the future. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love Roth IRAs, and, and we talk about these all the time. I mean, it is just an incredible thing to think about. If you fully fund it for a young person, and you do that for 30, 40 years, to have literally millions of dollars that will be totally tax-free in retirement, that is golden. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do love one of the examples exactly like what you're talking about there, Steve. Uh, Dave says uh, he, he gives a pretty astronomical number of how much could be saved <clears throat> oh, yeah. during that 30 to 40 years. And then he says, but what if I'm just half right? Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. still a couple million dollars, still several it's million, still dollars. a yeah. lot of money, and it's totally tax free. You know, I don't think the government would ever take that away from you. Know, the tax free nature of it, um, you know, I, I think it's here to stay. I don't think they'll tap that. They won't renege on that. Most likely, yeah. And, mo- and most of our retirees coming in, um, you know, the Roth started in 1998, so most of them have small. Small balances. Some of them don't have any Roth, but the younger folks today, they're setting up Roth accounts, and yep. they will have huge, likely have huge balances when they do retire. That's the key, and it may not be around forever. You know, they yeah. limit high income people. If you get into that higher bracket, you know, you're not going to have the option to put it in there. So you got to do it now while you have the option. Get that money in there, even if you can only do it for ten years. If it grows for another twenty, right. thirty years, Let it's it going to be huge. Mm-hmm. So you got to get that money in there. Don't let Absolutely. that go away without without fully funding your Roth. That's really the key. All right, great topic, and that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we're continuing our discussion here um, with a new topic, really, about 
uh, how to pay for cash. But before we do that, we have the prescription of the week. Yeah, there's um, some pretty cool technology out there, guys, thermostats, um, and you can control them from your smartphones. Um, so as an example, you know, we're fortunate to have masters come through the CSRA once a year, get people renting your house. They turn the air down to 60 degrees every night. And forget it. That's right. You can change that on your smartphone. And <laughs> it's a little pricey. It costs a couple hundred bucks, Home Depot, Lowe's. But if you think about being able to control the temperature when you're not there, you can turn the unit off. You can save that back within a year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the payback's pretty quick. One of them's called a Nest. Um, there's another one called Ecobee. Honeywell has a unit out there. So uh, look at that. It, 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 there's a upfront cost associated with it, but the payback is pretty quick. And we've already seen some benefits. We, we went out and made the, uh, um, the investment in it, and we're seeing the benefits with lower bills. Yeah, that's cool. So, that's cool. It's cool what technology now oh, it's can amazing. do with uh, with taking care of your house. So uh, I don't know. Maybe buy one of those iRobot vacuum cleaners and fire your maid. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Huge savings there. Huge savings there. Don't tell your wife I said that. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that leads up to our last topic here, and that is how to pay cash for a vacation in 90 days. Um this is a great topic because I love vacations, and you definitely want to pay cash for them. So, absolutely, yeah. and this this also comes from uh, DaveRamsey dot com, and you know, gentlemen, it's, it's almost here. You know, imagine in ninety days, Steve, you could be sitting on a beach somewhere or standing over a putt, yes, you know, getting yes. getting ready to sink it for. I was going to say birdie, but I will. Okay, I'm sure birdie. I will be somewhere doing okay. that in ninety right. days. Yeah, you know, dancing the night away, just having a good time, and it all be totally paid for. That's the key. You know, doesn't that, doesn't that sound good? It's, I like it, man. With cash. And it doesn't follow you home. Absolutely. That exactly. way you can enjoy it then and afterwards, you know. So, you know, some people are like, no way. That that, that can't happen. How can I find that much money that fast? Uh, well, by knowing where to look. You know, the next three months, they're full of chances to earn you know, extra money and spend less. Uh, a little extra work here, some smart spending there. Before you know it, you know, you've got the money set aside for that paid-for vacation. You know, the the kind that doesn't follow you home, you know, like we were just talking about. You know, so first, uh, let's look at the earning side of things here. And uh, here's some part-time work ideas uh, that can give you a l- little extra vacay money, um, you know, and, and kind of get you going. Go ahead, John. Yeah, so if you've listened to Dave for any amount of time, you know that he's going to tell you to... Oh, he's a big fan of delivering, delivering pizzas. pizzas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, the average wage is, is close to 8 bucks an hour. You can make a lot more than that with tips if you're smiling and have fun with it. Um, so, you know, even working 10 hours a week at that rate, you can generate some serious vacation money. You know, for a month, you can be three to $400 if you do that for, for half a year. I mean, you're talking about a couple thousand bucks. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if he has some kind of... Uh, uh, arrangement with some of these pizza uh, franchises. <laughs> Make sure. I don't know because he's very, very adamant yeah. about that. You know. All right. Here's another one. Be a rideshare driver. Now, you know that's like uh, signing up for um, Uber or something like mm-hmm. that to give people a, a lift around town. And these are some these are some pretty neat arrangements. You can set your own hours, uh, drive as much as you want. You can check out their website, you know, for the spe- specifics. But it's pretty easy uh, to get signed up with them. And uh, you know, you 
you, you have an app on your phone and it actually dings you yep. whenever it's time uh, if you choose to turn that app on. Mm. So it's not going off constantly. It's just when you choose mm-hmm. to activate it. That's neat. Now, I've actually thought about trying this as a social experiment. We'll see. Yeah, no kidding. And that, that's a great way. I've used Uber before. And, you know, I mean, think those, those guys make pretty good money. I have a buddy who actually makes about $1,300 to $1,500 a week. He yeah. lives on, uh, wow. you know, the outskirts of Atlanta. Yeah. But that's all he does. Wow. I mean, it would take no time to do that, you know, part-time and, and make enough to pay for vacation. That's Absolutely. a great way. And, you know, you're in control of when you do it, too. So that's just amazing. You know, another one here is to do yard work or tractor work. Well, that's a little more a little more sweaty endeavor. But uh, well, That's according. If you're on the tractor now. That's right. That's you're why right. I thought about you with this yeah. one, you know. That's right, because I, I love using my tractor, quite frankly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can make some money that way. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're going to think of spring here so you know some of your older neighbors relatives might like the idea of uh having paying somebody to take care of the lawns or shrubs or you know spread mulch um you know or if you have a small tractor i mean you can do some so you can make some serious money there you know bush hogging move dirt for somebody um you know take down trees if you have a tractor with a front end loader like my right little you know, Ford one bucket there. I mean, that's the kind of work. I mean, you're talking about like $85 an hour you can earn doing part-time tractor work. So, And, and you're having fun. And you're having fun. You know, with, with the tractor, that you is. You've got to have a tractor, though. You gotta, that's, that's the key. So you know. that's not for everybody. Uh, another one to consider is using your musical talents uh, that you might have. You know, I, I know several very well-established professionals here, even in our area. They're bankers, engineers, even a mayor uh, in our area. They, they play music, you know, for weddings, restaurants, social and community events quite often. And, and I've even been privy to play with them uh, on several of these gigs. And, you know, these guys, they, they enjoy what they do. We, we have a good time and we make some pretty good money, uh, you know, just as some extra pocket change there. So, you know, working extra is a good way to build a getaway fund, but it's not the only way. You know, there's also some ways that we can spend a little uh, a little less in the process and, you know, help us get to our goal as well. Right, John? Yeah, that's right. One of them is, is by generic. I mean, there are tons of generic products that you can purchase from paper towels, over-the-counter meds to trash bags. Uh, you know, they cost less than the brand name versions, and you probably won't notice a difference. And those savings, they can add up. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, going to Aldi versus, you know, another popular grocery store. Aldi right. is, is kind of off-brand, off-name, but the quality from what we've seen is is just as good, and we save a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, the average person spends what? I mean, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week mm-hmm. on groceries. Yeah. I mean, think about if you can cut 30% off that bill, how fast that would add up. Yep. That's huge for a family of four. So Absolutely. just change where you're going to shop. I mean, if you're going to Kroger and you change to Aldi, I hate to say it, but you're going to save like 30%. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. going to save some pretty good money. That's a big number. And then, yeah, and then there's another one, you know, Cancel the cable. If you're really... I said it. I did. I said it. You know, if you're serious about that vacation or serious really just about cutting your expenses Mm -hmm. there, you know, according to a recent um, study, you know, monthly spending on paid TV uh, is about an average of $99.10 per month. Uh, You may spend more or less than that, but, you know, either way, nix the cable for three months or six months and all those shows, they'll still be there. You know, you can go catch them uh, either online and there's some great alternatives to cable uh, nowadays. You know, you've got free DVDs at the uh, local library. Then online, you've got uh, network channels. 
You've got Hulu, Roku, you know, a number of different things. Tammy and I um, babysat for some friends. They were out of town, and they had a five-year-old, and it was um, late at night uh, a couple nights ago, and we were amazed going through all the channels, and we were sitting there thinking, you know, 25 years ago there were three channels. <laughs> now there are like hundreds 300, of channels. That's right. And you can't. Yeah. It's just it's a waste. Yeah, what you really. may find is you don't even miss it. I know. Because, I mean, my, my wife Kathy, I mean, she watches everything on on the the yeah. computer yeah everything i mean she didn't watch tv at all hmm. i mean so for a lot of people you may find you don't even use cable that yeah. much or you won't miss it you'll find a great alternative now you scared me there for a minute i thought you were going to say cancel the golf club membership no no i, I know, didn't go there but if you have to taboo. yeah that, you lost me right there so you're okay gordon that was all right <laughs> Yeah, so another idea here, though, is to brew coffee at home. Um, pack your lunch, maybe. I mean, if you're paying 5 bucks for morning coffee or 10 bucks for a lunch every day, I mean, that may not seem like much, but that adds up huge over 90 days. You know, if you get, get coffee five days a week, that's 320 bucks. I mean, how about, you know, if you throw lunch in there and you're buying lunch every day? And oh, that probably doubles. That probably mm, doubles, doubles it, or yeah. maybe a 1000 you know, between the two of them. Yeah. I mean, so instead, why not just make your coffee at home, you know? You'll save the cash. Yeah, just, just add in your own uh, caramel cinnamon if that's what you like. I mean... Yeah, just just get your own cup of joe. I mean, just don't do it. Don't, it'll don't it'll definitely add exactly. up. That's, that's a good one there. You know, as long as uh, you're looking for ways to spend smarter, don't forget to search for deals on the trips themselves. Uh, I know, Steve, you've got some wonderful stories. We've all got some pretty good stories about vacations where just planning and really researching can go a long ways and really help you enjoy uh, that vacation experience and do it, you know, cost effectively. I, I know one thing that we've uh, we've talked about, and I got this from Steve, is is taking a vacation right before Christmas. Yep, because most people, you know, they're some of them are still in school, but you know, it's people don't want to do vacations before Christmas, so it's much much, much cheaper. cheaper. Yeah, so, it is. That's a great idea. You yeah, save a lot really of money, is. and uh, it's, it's, the lines aren't there. It's not crowded. Everything's wide open, and kids are usually out of school, you know, in a, a week before Christmas. And, uh, you know, also just save up. Plan well ahead for your vacation. I mean, most memorable vacation we ever had was when I first got married. We went out to California. I'm not going to tell you all the details, but, you know, bottom line is we, we saved our frequent flyer miles, booked it way ahead of time, so we got it cheap, and we clipped coupons and, yeah. you know, got a free upgrade and went $1,000 for 10, two of us for 10 days out in California, drove all over, put 2,000 miles on a Cadillac. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. That's great. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's great. So the vacation safe for it, like we talked about earlier, one-twelfth of the number, I mean, yeah. and save it on a monthly basis. And, and adjust your spending a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Great topic. That leads up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. See you.